We are live. Welcome to episode 44 of the Propaganda Report. This is Monica Perez. I am here with Brad Binkley. Hey, Binkley, how you doing? Whoa. What's that noise? <laughs> Sorry about that. I, <laughs> oh, I thought an alien showed up. Oh, is that is that telling? Is it, can you tell something about a person by their their ringtone? Uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> I, I think antennas were going up on somebody's head at that moment. My favorite ringtone, which I used to have, but it keeps like falling off my phone, was from Bedtime Stories. Adam Sandler. Did you ever see that movie? No. Oh my gosh, the ringtone is just him screaming. It's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but it keeps falling off. But it's totally like my kids are like, you can't, you can't have a ringtone like that, mom. It sounds like you're a lunatic. <laughs> but I highly recommend that ringtone for anyone who wants to embarrass their children publicly. You know what it makes me think of? What? It makes me think of the Amber Alert. The Amber Alert is the most obnoxious yes. scream. If they wanted to save children, they would not use that Amber Alert. More children will die because of that. And I'll tell you why. The first time I heard it, I was in my car and I thought there was like a, a an emergency vehicle like right right behind my car. Yeah. I freaked out and I just started immediately trying to pull over. And of course, if anybody else had the same reaction as I did, we'd all be in a pileup. It is obnoxious. I hate the amber. No, you can turn it off. I turned it off. No, not your, not your phone. The amber alert. The the amber amber alert can come through your phone. I know. That's that's why it's, it's even more obnoxious now. People hate hearing Amber Alerts. They, they had this negative association with it. Oh, they don't want to save the kids. That's a good point. Like the fine print on like drugs, you know, they're, they're like may cause suicide. And you're like, ah, I'm so sick of hearing that. Yeah. <laughs> Where's that pill? Like what? Blow my eardrums out with an <laughs> air horn every time a kid gets kidnapped. And you just figure, you know, screw the kid. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? I'm turning this off. I'm not even looking at it. <laughs> I'm just saying that's what you're saying. I'm yeah, not exactly. Because <laughs> it, it, it's like an, an, an obnoxious alarm clock where your instinct yeah. reaction is to turn it off and be like, oh, God, it's terrible. We're, we are digressing. We haven't even introduced ourselves. We haven't even our started. Topic. We digress. <laughs> we digress. <laughs> we're, we're, that makes us negative. That makes us below zero in, in content so far. But I, I will tell you, talking about below zero in content, that's exactly what I want to talk about. I All want right. to talk about how the media is training us to not analyze, not evaluate, not criticize the information, that they're training us to look at information and immediately decide whether it's a qualified source or an unqualified source, a source that has been allowed, you know, been given the imprimatur of the state or a source that hasn't. And here's the thing. I, I didn't see how they were going to do it, but I knew that's what they were going to do. And I wrote an article about it in November, right before it's, it's hard to remember back that all this stuff was, that this whole fake news thing is new, but it is. And when I wrote this in November, there was not a hint of it. So can I, can I read you some of what I wrote in November and then bring it forward to what's been happening since? Yes, ma'am. All righty. Uh, okay. So I wrote this article. It was November 4th, 2016. So it was before the election. I was hundred percent convinced it was going to be Hillary. 
I didn't know it was going to be Trump, but it doesn't matter. But the title of my article is Teeing It Up for the Censorship President. And I, uh, I had read in the Wall Street Journal this day that I wrote this, around that day, an article of Melania Trump saying that uh, she, she was lamenting, I'm reading a quote from the article, she was lamenting an increasingly coarse culture in which users of social media, especially children, belittle each other. She said, our culture has gotten too mean and too tough, especially to children and teenagers. We have to find a better way to talk to each other, to disagree with each other, to respect each other. So yesterday, like fast forward to May, I read two articles in one day that basically echoed that sentiment. One was by Gerald Simon, the Wall Street Journal, called Civil Discourse in Decline, Where Does It End? And another by Robert Reich saying, Making America Meaner. That was the title. And <laughs> both of them, yeah, both of them lay this at the feet of Trump. That reminded me of something I know you remember. I haven't been able to find a soundbite or whatever, but I know that you remember. I said in February of 2016 that uh, when Vicente Fox used vulgarity, I think on TV, I, I think directed towards Trump, that we were entering a whole new world of vulgarity and that it would be based on, it would be blamed on Trump. Tell me you remember that. I absolutely remember that. Yes, and I and it was all over the place. After that, I highlighted a couple of times where they played unedited cuts on CNN. I think they, um, I think somebody said asshole, and then there was that Project Veritas. Uh, there were a couple of actual, you know, one of the of the seven words that George Carlin says you can't say actually being said maybe it was after hours not strictly against the law but they didn't they never they never used to do that so i saw this coming they blame it on trump i personally think uh there's maybe two 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 purposes of this one is it all lends towards this um movement towards censorship towards censoring how we talk to each other so that if you are these guys used to yell at each other and you know, the founding fathers would get into very heated political discussions. I mean, even Jesus took, threw over the tables in the, in the temple of the money changers. Like sometimes getting heated is exactly what's called for in exasperated circum, exasperating circumstances. And these guys, and to curb tone is definitely a slippery slope, but there's also this idea, I think, that we're moving towards uh, vulgarism, like uh, like they used to, they dumbed us down. So like Deb, that great call I had on a WSB show, uh, said they really robbed us of the ability or stopped teaching us critical thinking. But there's, now I think the next step is this like animalistic behavior where like even civil discourse is no longer permitted. So this vulgarism by advertising it, by promoting it, by CNN using curse words, by Vicente Fox using curse words, by Tom Perez, uh, the DNC or whatever using curse words, they're, they're just teaching us to do that. And then it reached an even a new level with that Jan Forte or whatever his name was, 
the politician who pushed the media guy. And then yesterday I read that in Texas, in the legislature in Texas, legislature in Texas, two legislators um, came to blows or almost came to blows. And it reminded me of like in Eastern Europe where fights break out in parliament. And I, and I thought they're, they're doing this on purpose. They're creating this, this, degenerate political theater so there is absolute it's simply a sideshow it's like not even uh like content drown out by a sideshow it will become simply a sideshow so that for me is a big what to watch out for uh, absolutely you, yeah, you I, see it's, that it's everything they're, they're turning society into the comment section on a youtube video yeah, which, everybody screams at each other. Nobody yes. has a reasoned argument. Everybody already knows what they believe, and it's just a bunch of swearing and vulgarness. There, but in the content section, there's actually lots of good stuff too. You know what I mean? Like actual deeper thoughts. I agree with you though. Like the blog, the like comments on my blog are so often, which I just do not understand. This rude. What, yeah. what is with that? Am I rude? Like, would you ever think, oh, well, she's a bitch. You might as well just lead with a cold cock to the nose. No, like, of why course would not. you do that? You know? Why is that your first line of defense? Like, I said something you disagree with, therefore I'm a bitch. <laughs> it's like, what? That's what they're creating. It's this intolerant of any other ideas society, which it's already, you know, we already have that instinct in us to automatically reject things we don't understand. Or that is it within our realm of experience, but we've learned to reason and stuff and to expand, expand our knowledge base and open our minds to new ideas and alternative perspectives. They are closing that off. They, they do not want that. Yeah, I, I didn't have a chance to look into it, but I heard I, I heard on a podcast today that Theresa May, before the Manchester events, said was really unrolled a plan of extreme internet censorship, like that, whatever, under the guise, I'm sure, of fighting terrorism. But so that's one thing that I noticed in all this. And then, uh, but that, that's just like the most minor part. The other things are, I, the, the main event of what I was writing about in this article in November was Vern Jordan, who, do you know who Vern Jordan is? You spoke of him before. He's the guy on CNN, right? No, he's actually rather old. He's uh, like an 80-year-old. Uh, he was a, an advisor uh, to Clinton, to Bill Clinton. He's a Bilderberger. He's the only black Bilderberger I've ever, uh, I'm aware of. So he's a very deep state, high, high-ranking CFR guy. Um, bald, I don't know. You would you would recognize him, I think, if you saw him. But I have a picture in my article of him whispering in Hillary Clinton's ear at a Council of Foreign Relations <laughs> meeting with, like, the logos all in the back. I mean, you know, I mean, talk about deep state. And I do not mean deep state as Obama holdovers. This is obviously applying now to the Trump administration. Yeah. This, this is what Vern Jordan called for then, which I highlighted I was alarmed by it. Now it's obviously the plan. So here's here's the quote of Vern Jordan. It was actually a speech transcribed in the Wall Street Journal. The great news institutions of the 20th century, print newspapers, the evening broadcast news, the trusted anchorman are fading relics. In their place, we have unlimited information, unfiltered all the time. Yesterday's news institutions were far from perfect, but they served an important civic role 
They served as filters of information, sorting out <laughs> facts from lies and truth from innuendo. They gleaned the significant from the frivolous. Later on, he says, people in the technology, media, and telecom industry must ensure that we are protected. We need to use technology's capacity to clearly and quickly delineate facts from lies, regardless of their source, and to develop media that requires civility and respect when people exchange opinions. So their job is to curate, to tell us what's the difference between facts and lies, to require civility and respect. I mean, this guy is really calling for a total crackdown on information. Yeah, that that sounds like what Walter Lippmann talks about in his book, Public Opinion, the, the whole idea that they are they are the controllers of information. Well, what that gives a lie to this hearkening back to days of old, because it was always like that. I just got a tweet the other day that about Walter Cronkite being an absolute information gatekeeper of the lowest uh, kind. And, and this Vern Jordan thing had reminded me, and I wrote about it in this article, uh, that Obama had made a, had been interviewed, or it was at a forum not that long before that, while still president, saying this got a lot of play in the media, in the alternative media, but this is just a few snippets from a longer thing. I think he was talking about climate change, but it's still kind of yeah. ominous. He says, we are going to have to rebuild within this wild, wild west of information flow, some sort of curating function, rebuild a curating function. It used to be there when there were three television stations. Walter Cronkite was there. So he was happy when there's only three television stations. Generally, people trusted a basic body of information. There has to be some sort of way we can sort through information that passes some sort of truthiness test. <laughs> Everybody wants to go back to, to Walter Cronkite. Yes, and, and have truthiness tests, have curation functions, have um, requirements for civility. And this stuff, for me is where all the fake news, the fake news thing comes in here. Uh, it, it is going to, it is the catalyst for uh, curation, censorship, qualifying sources, and the mainstream media is playing into this by a lot of times deliberately reporting wrong stuff. They, they themselves might cry out for, you know, make sure we get, the, that we should have an official news source that we all get our news from, you know. <laughs> And, and that's like a kind of government style tactic where they create a problem and then they will be the solution. I, I have some clips that play right into that. One in particular, which I wasn't even sure if I was going to get to, but it speaks kind of directly to that, is during Don Lemon's show on CNN. I don't know if you ever watched that show. Yeah, I've seen it a couple of times. It's like. I saw the one where he was drunk. <laughs> yeah, where he was drunk on New Year's Eve. The whole thing. All it is is he, he – Was he really drunk? I only saw like five seconds of it. He seemed like he was drunk, but he could have been playing drunk. I, I don't yeah. know. His show, every single show on CNN is the exact same script. I put an article up with the screen titles from three different shows they had yesterday. It's just the same script read by uh, uh, an African-American actor, a blonde woman, a gay man, a straight man. They just have a different demographic, read the exact same script. And they put uh, they have the same person interviewed on every single show. It's the exact same thing. 
but they have panels on all these shows. And in these panel discussions, what they do is they represent two points of view and they represent the real news. They have like six people who all represent the real truth, you know, and then they have one person who is like, in this case, Jack Kingston, who sounds slow and talks like this. And when he tries to make his point, they all just smirk and laugh at him. And before he even gets it out, they just jump on him That's and attack. It's so crazy. Interesting, but it's so interesting that you pointed that out because I was just listening to that podcast. I was talking about, they mentioned the Teresa May thing. They mentioned Manchester and the guy was saying how there was a, fellow on CNN in a, like a round table, whatever. And he said, well, maybe the Tories did Manchester to get their uh, numbers up for the coming election. And I'm thinking to myself, why CNN had some guy at, oh, telling what's probably true on CNN. I mean, that's not believable. And he said, and then everybody jumped all over him. You're crazy, blah, blah, blah. But now when you're saying, I didn't yeah, see it. On purpose. Yeah, yeah. I didn't hear whether it was a guy who seemed to lack credibility or if they do it just to mock you openly. Absolutely. Yes, that's, that's interesting. A, that, that, I've, been, I've, I've paid attention to that specific tactic for yeah. a while now. I have a bunch right. of clips over the past few months where they, they put they get one person on there. It, it'll be the dumb blonde. It'll be the slow redneck. Or it'll be the crazy person who uh, who's just so easy for them to attack and discredit. That way, whenever that uh, perspective comes up out in public, when somebody hears it, they're, they're conditioned to automatically think it's crazy or stupid. Yeah. I can play you. I, I can yeah, play let's hear you. It. Let's hear it. Okay, let me find it. It's two separate clips. The first clip is, I mean, it's unbelievable. The first clip is Don Lemon asking one of the other panel members if this is fake news. He's, he, he's talking about something that Sean Spicer said, and then he, you know, they're, they're basically dismissing Sean Spicer. And then the second clip is Kingston trying to say, here are some actual examples of fake news. And you'll get a better idea of the context when I play it, but just the reactions are unbelievable. Here's the first one. Where are you? Hmm. There it is. All right. Okay. Uh, so, Jason, let's talk about the more about what coming out of people's mouths at the White House. Spicer got into a heated argument with reporters after failing to come up with a sturdy example of fake news. I think he's very pleased with the work of his staff. I think that he is frustrated, like I am and like so many others, to see stories come out that are patently false, to see narratives that are wrong, to see, quote-unquote, fake news. When you see stories uh, get perpetrated that are absolutely false, that are not based in fact, that is troubling, and he's rightly concerned. Can you give an example of fake news, Sean? Yeah, give absolutely. I'll give you an example. Please. Sure. Uh, Friday, the president was having a great discussion at the G7, and someone from the BBC and ultimately an incoming reporter from the New York Times retweeted that the president was being rude by disrespecting the Italian prime minister. And when, when in fact, you all in every one of the meetings that we sit and watch the president with that one earpiece has been used by other presidents, and yet uh, the president did a great job at NATO building stronger bonds, 
building stronger bonds to the G7, increasing America's presence around the world. And that's the kind of thing that, that the BBC and ultimately the reporter who's now joining the New York Times push out and perpetuate with no apology. What you're shaking your head here. I mean, it's true. You did it. No, I, and I'm answering James. But, but I think that's just fake. Jason, was that an example of so-called fake news? No, I'll give you a couple of examples of fake news. Okay, so... What? I wanted to hear his examples. Well, I wanted to hear them also, but the actual show upload, the clip shorts no. out. And you can't hear his examples no. of the fake news. Like, I even looked for this clip elsewhere. I thought maybe it was the uploader, but this was the legitimate upload. That's exactly so. what happens to me when I looked at the Lester Holt NBC interview of Trump that started with, he's a showboat. Right. <laughs> you know, I'm talking about comedy. Yeah, like, exactly. Why did he start the interview? He wasn't even asked a question. The interview started. He's a showboat. You know? it, it just—it was a weird edit, and it, it cut to it. I don't know. I've, I've tried to find it elsewhere, but that was the upload they used. So the, the premise here is Don Lemon is 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 he's showing an example of here's Sean Spicer not being able to provide an example of sturdy fake news was the word he used. Sturdy or not stur- sturdy fake news of sturdy actually yes yeah, sturdy fake news an example of sturdy fake news, and so instead of having a discussion about you know, the details and the complexity of what he was trying to say and whether or not the reporting was accurate or not. The guy's immediate answer is, no, I'll give you an example of fake news. And then I could tell through kind of the the badly edited clip they used that he was he was saying, listing off a bunch of things that Trump had said that probably were not truthful, but it was the way that they treated Jack Kingston when Jack Kingston jumped in to try to actually provide real examples of what has been fake news and they just attack him. So here is here is Jack Kingston. Now this happened right after this guy finished answering this question. So, about- so you got the clips. The clips were uploaded of before and after the guy gave examples of fake news. Yeah, is that what you're telling me? So they just cut out the only thing that I actually wanted to hear. There's no, like I, mean, a- I want to hear it because I'm interested in the techniques and everything, but. I that's a very interesting part of that broadcast, but they yeah, censored it on purpose because they're they don't want to give you what you want to hear. They are completely there to influence your mind. I mean, it really does. Is, it's only like a sentence, like a sentence that that kind of cuts out, but it t- you can't understand what he's talking about because that one sentence is shorts out. Can I make one point about the Spicer clip? That yeah, you go played? ahead. Okay, they. They're super rude to Sean Spicer. Like they, they're absolutely rude. Know. You know what I mean? And that's not normal. And they, and that is, uh, I don't. On the one hand, it might be. And you would get attacked for saying that. What I would get attacked for? for, for saying, yeah, for for defending Sean Spicer. Well, I'm not even sure I'm defending Sean Spicer. I'm not sure if he's not a patsy. Right. To give an excuse, because this is what Trump is doing in my mind that whether he knows it or not, what what we're getting part of, he is going to be the censorship president, whether he knows it or not. And one of the things that it, that he is playing into is he's there today. They had like the, the White House gaggle or whatever, some Vietnamese guy. It was not important. But what was important about it is they shut down. They did not broadcast live. What other what Reese in recent years would have been live broadcast from the White House? So they're shutting down the press from the White House. He's talked about not having those press conferences anymore. Trump goes nuts, like we hate surveillance, right? And I'm like, no, we hate surveillance against us, not against 
government agents who are working on our behalf. You know, we want them to, we want completely open and transparent government. And he talks about leaks are the problems. Like, no, we want the information. So I look at him with the shutting down the press, attacking the media, being very defensive against the media, um, then being rude to Sean Spicer. All these things are going to play into uh, like lockdown of information coming out of the government, leaks, uh, complaints about leaks, complaints about surveillance, creating this total opacity, opaque uh, government. Um, just like when he was reducing the number of Intel direct reports, like just really putting bottlenecks in there. What do they call it? Stove piping, I guess, is like the opposite. But making it so there's, uh, you know, less accountability coming out. And you can, if you sympathize with Trump, if he has a cult of personality, if people like that about him and want to protect him and defend him, okay. But he's not going to be around for very long. I mean, even if he had eight, eight years in office, that's it. And then and then you've the Democrats, I think, are definitely going to be in those positions or Republicans you don't like as much. And this all just like Trump coming out and saying we want 51 votes in the Senate, not not, you know, eliminate the filibuster. All that stuff is a terrible idea when the if you consider the right, the bastion of individualism, they're the ones who are going to be in the minority position most of the time in the future. So he's teeing it up for the minority to have no power and for the pinnacles of power to be able to close the doors. I think that that was not entirely an aside. I think that is part of what I'm seeing here about the censorship is that it's censorship opacity. It's controlling information, just controlling information and not being accountable, not having to come up with that. Right. And on top of what you're saying, which this clip illustrates is, if you can't censor everything out, which you, at this point in time with technology, it's impossible to censor everything out. Information, inconvenient information is going to spill over and the public is going to find out about. It. So what you have to do is you have to preempt it and you have to nullify that inconvenient information. This is what um, Laswell talks about in his yes. book, uh, Propaganda During World War. And you nullify that information. A way to do that is what they're doing with this technique here is they bring on these people to represent the opposing point of view. They completely attack them and make them look like clowns so they condition their audience to self-police themselves. So whenever they hear certain types of information like Bill Clinton is a rapist or Bill Clinton, you know, the Clintons are associated with Jeffrey Epstein, people automatically reject that information because of the way the points of view have been represented on television. And there's another layer going on that's similar of the social conditioning, changing the meanings of things like conspiracy theory, deep state, Newt Gingrich, Sean Hannity. They're coming out saying the deep state is Obama holdovers. And that just cracks me up. The deep state killed JFK. They are not Obama holdovers. It's really old holdovers. Right. They're going to kill Obama if he doesn't do what they want. He doesn't, you know what I mean? They'll kill Trump. Newt Gingrich is the deep state. You know what I mean? It's just so stupid. Conspiracy theories is like that now. I think like... But I hear the um, the right or the alternative right or the side stream media or whatever is coming out of the right, like is owning conspiracy theory. Like I feel like uh, the gay community owns queer now, you know, like just like we're just going to own it, you know, because the the conspiracy theory thing. Yes, it came out with JFK. It also 9-11 is a big thing. And those people say it's neoconservatives who did it. Say it's Dick Cheney who did it. It's the right who is going to want to neutralize 
conspiracy theory. Like that's why people lost faith in, in the Democrats when Obama took over and he didn't out 9-11. They were like, oh, the way when Trump started bombing Syria, I was like, see, <laughs> you know, like they're, they're all controlled by the deep state. Yeah. Like they look at conspiracy theory now, they act like the conspiracy theory is Seth Rich or Sean Hannity talks about that. There was, um, you know, it's just, and I'm not really making a very good point, but you can see how this conspiracy theory thing is now becoming associated with very ill thought out stuff on the right, like the Seth Rich right. story. They put it in a basket. It, it, I mean, you can take this back yeah. to Hillary's example of Hillary, yes. Hillary literally putting types of people in a basket right. so that they will be automatically – that their viewpoints would be automatically rejected. It's similar with the conspiracy thing. But the conspiracy theory people they're putting in a basket are not coherent. You know what I mean? Like the consp- right. actual conspiracy theories – make so much more sense most of the time than the official narrative or they don't really get much traction. And that's how they nullify it is they associate it with crazy people or racism or bigotry. And and they'll often have alternative conspiracy theories for the same thing that makes people sound crazy. So the it, Obama exactly. birther thing will have and Michelle is a man. It, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're like, okay. Okay. Oh, here's the that was, sorry, I have to say that was straight out of Cass Sunstein's conspiracy theory memo. Is yeah. that you should mine real conspiracy theories with patently false stuff to discredit the overall theory? Yeah, it's it's a whole. You create a world that people believe is real and that certain things are absolutely ridiculous and would never possibly happen. So they'll reject it anytime they hear of that possibility, enabling people who are kind of outside who control control how people receive information and control what people believe they can get away with anything they want without being questioned. Yes. <laughs> All right. Here is Kingston. Now this is Kingston jumping in again. The only reason that Kingston is on this panel, I, I watch this all the time because they abuse Kingston and I'm like, this, this guy, <laughs> because he, he taught, he talks like this and I'm just trying to make my point about this is fake news. He can't even get, three words out because he draws his sentences so long before they just start attacking him. Here, here's him trying to point out a couple fake news examples. What about the story that what about this fake news story that Comey had asked for more money for the investigation? Not true at all. What about the story about Rosenstein that was uh, that he said he was going to resign? Not true at all. Oh, what about the story about the Martin Luther King bus Jack, that was moved out Jack, of the Oval Office? You're talking about stories. You're, not, you're talking you know, about stories. That's those weren't stories, and I, you don't know if any of those are true or not. Those All were of those stories. Are true. But listen, but here's the they thing: were those were not stories. put out to intentionally deceive someone. That is what fake news is. It's, it's not stories God, that you disagree well, with, or sometimes, or, or sometimes when reporters or news organizations make a mistake and then clarify or say they were wrong. That's not fake news. That's the way the world works. Are you always perfect? Do you always say but, the right thing? Do you always speak? Do you always know the exact there's answer? There's absolutely fake news. And, and, uh, you didn't me, answer my question, Jack. There, there was Jack, a you didn't answer my question. Uh, uh, Jack, do you all, are you perfect? I, I absolutely am not. Okay, then no wife, one is in no organization. Like I've got to go. But Don, 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 what? Then he cuts Isn't that crazy? What a jerk. Don Lemon does that to him on a nightly basis. That 
first of all, Don Lemon was completely wrong because those are exactly like Comey asking for more money. I actually don't know if that's true or not. I think those those stories are coming out. They are playing into this dialectic where everyone's like, okay, okay, okay. We all agree we need to curate news. You know, we all agree we need to run this news through the, uh, you know, the ringer or whatever. But the, that was, Don Lemon, at first he said, you don't know if it was true or not, but then he said, those are not stories that were deliberately put out to deceive people. It's like, yes, they most definitely were deliberately, how can that be a mistake? Well, I was completely wrong. Well, where did you, where did you, who told you that information? Well, I just made it up. (laughs) Somebody just made it up. Like somebody did not, the Washington Post guy or whoever who reported that Comey asked for more money heard it from someone he couldn't possibly have trusted or known or verified because it was not a true story. And it wasn't not a true story because somebody didn't, because somebody just thought they heard that. And you know what I mean? It was definitely made up by someone on purpose. And what he said is first of all, he operates on the premise that only conservatives make up stories for nefarious reasons. And whenever somebody on the left makes up a story or, or reports a story that's not true, it's always a mistake, and they always correct it later. No, they don't always correct it later, and when they do correct it, it's like a little bitty tiny blurb on the bottom of the back page, or, or you know, you got to go three pages deep on their website. When the main story that really left the impression on the viewer's mind was a headline and was talked about for a week. Yes, that is absolutely a common technique. Um, yeah. If you ever want to see that happen on a nightly basis, watch Don Lemon's show. He <laughs> I, could, never, I could never stand him. He's it's so just... blatant. He, I mean, he doesn't even try. He all, he'll, he'll do this thing too, and he did it there, but he actually cut to commercial break there. I had another clip of him, but I, I didn't pull it to where it's in the middle of a segment, and somebody starts saying a viewpoint that he's not supposed to allow. And so he starts going, I got to go to break. I got to cut to break. Gotta, no, John, 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 John. He talks like he's like, uh, John. <laughs> John, he's really condescending. Okay, okay, John. Uh, Bill, Bill, can you go ahead and uh, sum this up for us? And then he points to the guy who who expresses the viewpoint he's supposed to represent. This guy totally just, you know, makes this guy look stupid and gives the preferred viewpoint. But he goes on for like two and a half minutes, you know. And, so and Lemon's going did not have to cut to break. Right, he didn't have to cut to break. Not at all. <laughs> so I was looking at. Uh, I tweeted this thing. It was a daily cos cos. KOS, Daily Coast, whatever that is. It's basically Cost, it. Like cosplay? Yeah, you've seen that. It's a very big yeah. website. I'm just not pronouncing it right. Daily I've seen Cost. Daily Cosplay? No. No, I'm just... Okay. I don't want to diverge again. So this thing, that's a very big website. And uh, it had... I In my mind... I was thinking, I read this crazy quote the other day. Talk about conspiracy theory. But, you know, it was a, it was a quote about Mike Pence and Mike Flynn. I had to find that. So I was looking and looking and looking. And fortunately, I had, like, saved, saved the article. I don't know where to pocket or something. And it was this quote of Mike Pence saying to Flynn, now I'm going to tell him you lied to me, okay? And Donald's going to fire you. We got our story straight. What? So this was the article in the Daily Cosset. The name of it was Mike Pence is Toast. Anonymous letter to WAPO shows the role of Eric Prince in Trump-Russia. Story, whatever. I don't know. I'm just reading the 
the uh, URL, that's what it said. So I, so I like see it. I find the article. I pull up the picture. That's the caption under the picture. I read the entire article. I read it. I go back. I read it. And I was like, oh, they're just saying, you know, this is what we think probably happened. <laughs> you know, like, they're speculating. Yeah, they were completely speculating. But my, my, in my mind, I remembered it as Mike Pence saying that. You know, like I just, I read a hundred articles every single day, probably. You know what I mean? And you just like skim them quickly. Well, and they they probably put it as a headline for like a day because they know people do that. And if they put those things as a headline, that's what, that's what captures people's minds. Yeah. But I even consider that like a, that's the kind of thing that you would see on, there are actually fake news sites it's like beyond the onion the onion is obviously a parody but there's like parody fake news sites that at no place does it seem like a parody so i got burned twice by them one was that chelsea clinton was having such a horrible fight with her husband that she threw his stuff out the window of manhattan and started screaming at him out the window <laughs> i was just like wow those guys really went at it in public that's nuts and it was not true and i think another one was that Ringo Starr came out and admitted that Paul McCartney was fake, which is a conspiracy theory that I feel like I've debunked personally. Like I knew it wasn't true. I was like, wow, that's just crazy. And those were fake. And this is the kind of thing that those truly fake websites do where they actually write a whole story that is fake. And then somewhere in the fine print, it's like, this is, you know, a parody site. Yeah. Anyway, so I got burned by that. Mike Pence quote, but it was, you know, in one of something I'm sure that I would think that Don Lemon would think is a reasonable source. Oh, absolutely. Anything that propagates the Russia narrative is going to be considered legitimate. Yes. Yes, that is true. That was a good point. They just go one by one. It doesn't matter. Anybody associated with Trump right now, we're going one by one and we're finding some random connection that that is being presented as just the worst thing in the world with no actual context and no actual sources or evidence. And you know what's funny is that Donald Trump's background is so deep state. There was yeah. Russian mobs, Jewish mobs, Italian mobs. There was Roy Cohn, who I think was like a CIA blackmailer who was – you know, there's just so much. I read in one article that Trump's sister got her judgeship through like back channels like that. You know, really crazy stuff that much of which now that thing about the sister, I don't I did not ever see it substantiated, although I read it more than once. But there's tons of it that is substantiated right down to Roy Cohen's debarment proceedings had Trump testimony in it, which blew up in a fire like in 2015. Yeah. So if they wanted to unearth anything of real consequence, they could have done it all along. They could still do it now. But my guess is these guys are all knee deep in it, especially the New York guys, Chuck Schumer and stuff who go after Trump. My guess is they are Rudy Giuliani. They were all knee, knee deep. And the changing of the guard from the Italians to the Russians and New York mob scene and stuff like that. There's so much they could do. And they focus on this, this stuff, which is nothing. I mean, what, what Russia did isn't even 
wouldn't even supposedly what they're accusing Russia of would not require collusion. There's no, there was no, no accusations that what they did was hacking DNC things, uh, emails or Podesta emails or whatever that they needed anybody else's help to do it. Right. And the evidence that they did that, there's, they don't even have credible evidence that it was Russia that did that. The FBI, the CIA hasn't actually looked at those servers. Oh, and when you see Brennan, Clapper, other people, Comey, talk about this stuff in these congressional hearings, they keep saying, uh, I can't talk about this in a public forum. Let's talk about it privately. I can't talk about it in a public forum. And my reaction is, okay, if you guys have all this stuff and you're conducting this investigation and it, and it is not ripe to discuss in a public forum, why are they even holding public hearings? Just make the hearings private right. until you have something to come out with. Because they're like, well, it would be too disruptive or damaging or prejudicial to come out with the evidence. Like, okay, so you come out with innuendo from, yeah. from, from the floor of Congress exactly. where they're allowed to lie? This is what they're doing, and this is what they're going to do with the Comey memos when he testifies in a week or so or whatever. Every oh, single time – I can't wait for that episode to broadcast. Right. Every single time they set it up so that it creates maximum tension, maximum drama on the left and the right, and so that it propels the people who are part of the resistance movement to continue resisting, to continue protesting because their anger has to stay fresh. They have to continue to be outraged. And so, when they answer questions like, I can't answer that right now, it right. makes both sides see – <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, see, there is no evidence. That's exactly that. what it is. What? It enrages the people on the left, and it makes them say, "He's we he, we have him nailed, and now Comey's covering up for him. Now he's switched again, or, or Trump obstructed justice. We know he did, and it makes them just so enraged and so more certain of their point of view. And it makes people on the right, just like you said, say, "See, we knew there was nothing there." So it continues to keep the tension tight. Without being anything important, though. I mean, that's the thing. Where are the crimes here? There's a crime when somebody gets a casino license and and doesn't have to go through the registration process. Like, there's a crime there. You know what I mean? Like, the true vetting process, like, with with, uh, Trump. Maybe he didn't commit a crime because maybe he didn't pay anybody off to do that. Maybe it was the mafiosos who wanted him in there who did that. But that's how he got his casino license. I mean, there's real crimes. Clinton's, of course. Real crimes, but nobody ever yeah. actually – they don't ever actually uh, prosecute the real crimes. No, they, they, they just the art of ambiguity like you talk about. Like the that headline right now on CNN is Comey's ready to talk. Of course, Comey didn't say he's ready to talk. <laughs> Sources say that Comey is ready to admit that Trump was trying to obstruct justice. What, did you see that funny tweet I got from Scoggy Claus who said uh, – the latest news is that there might be some news. It's <laughs> because the exactly. headline is like, Comey might say stuff. Right. Like, oh, on and CNN. <laughs> yeah. That's, I saw on CNN, they had this and they had it phrased differently earlier. But what they're doing is they're just – they're creating the conclusion in the minds of their audience before it even happens so that their audience is just ready to be triggered when they don't get that 100% smoking gun. Yes. They already know yes. how they feel. Yes, funny so what else you got well i have a bunch of clips because we've been talking about sources and i have some clips that illustrate some of the creative ways because you know using a source is old school nobody uses sources anymore it's like cassette tapes they're they're just they're done they're obsolete everybody only uses 
anonymous sources now. And so I have, I have just a short clip that just illustrates a couple of different ways that they're using that they're they're citing them in different ways. What they're trying to do now is they're trying to cite more sources. They're trying to cite friends of Trump who are trying to help him. And then they're going on like all day in the news yesterday, they justified their use of anonymous sources while saying Trump is, is not, you can't believe Trump's anonymous sources, but you can believe our anonymous sources. And I have some clips from, Yesterday's news and from the head of the New York Times, who it's unbelievable the things he says. And I'd like to play some of those for you. Who is the head of the New York Times? Do you have a name there? I got his name written down somewhere. Because usually there's some prominent people. Oaks was an owner of OCHS. Salzburger. What is his name? He he is like listening to this interview. He seems like a a comic book villain to me almost. (laughs) It was an interview with BBC News. Let's see if I can find his name. No, it's not that guy. That's another thing that I think is funny these days, how like <clears throat> the news people are talking about the news and talking to each other, and the sources are other people in the news. I mean, you oh, read mainstream. When I read the Wall Street Journal and the news, they are, the source they are citing is the Washington Post, like an unverified story from the Washington Post we are publishing. To me, that's a major transformation in in news i mean right it's then, not okay to have competing newspapers it was like well it was in the post i just read the post and wrote this article it's like, and then no. when somebody <laughs> calls them out on it yeah. they come back a few hours later and say we have independently confirmed with sources close to the matter so they they independently confirm yeah. with their own anonymous sources yes who's probably the same Probably the same one person. See, that's the thing, that if you don't get – I've done this before. I just click through and click through and click through and really try to dig into what a source is. And I have come up with more than once where it all came down to the same source, and that source was weak. But I I think the the icing on the cake, the worst one ever, was when McCain – what was the topic – I think it. Ha- I think it's what launched this Russian hacking thing, if I'm not mistaken. He said, "Well, the New York Times says there evidence. There is evidence, and they they didn't get that from nowhere. That came from somewhere." Yeah. So McCain's yeah. argument was that the New York Times said it. So you know, I don't. Who am I? I'm just a senator. I don't. Yeah. Know. McCain's like, let's bomb them. I'm on the intel. But yeah, right. He's just like, come on, any excuse to bomb. Are you with me? Like, no. <laughs> okay, his name is Dean Beckwith. I want to build up to his clip because his is the okay. uh, his All is right. the best one. Here, here, here's a couple couple sources they cited yesterday, which I thought, which were you know creative anyway. Oh, taking a toll on President Trump, according to sources who speak with him. Two former intelligence officials and a congressional source tell my colleagues Pamela, Dana, and I that Russian government officials... Multiple sources who talk to Donald Trump uh, and whom either he calls or they call him. They've all known him for years. According to a person close to Flynn. Well, you know, I've spoken with a bunch of his friends who talk to him uh, largely after hours. <laughs> So we have friends who talk to Donald Trump. I talked to a bunch of his drunk friends. After, well, yeah, it's, it sounds like a um, 
Well, a late night commercial that you see, you want to call in and talk to somebody. Is it Benjamin Wittes? Is it, isn't that guy Benjamin the, Wittes, the, the only source friend? that's been named in any of these the articles source. in three months? So is the Benjamin Wittes, who I'm guessing is absolutely not a friend of Kobe. Probably like, yeah. My favorite source within that was the second one where he where he says something like multiple sources, multiple high-ranking sources told me and then three other – two people <laughs> told me and three other people, just really <laughs> stacking on all the people involved. But when they don't say any names, it's it, it carries no weight for me. But I've been talking about this for years, for years in, in the newspaper because this is when I started to discover it, especially after the Boston Marathon bombing – and also when General Alexander was testifying about, like, uh, NSA spying habits, like when the, the Snowden thing came out, the Boston Marathon bombing, those are two things where if you really read a lot of articles on the same actual item, you would find that mainstream media sources from the Wall Street Journal to Fox, which is a sister company, to the Boston Globe, to the New York Times, all these sources would have absolutely contradictory information from themselves, from each other, from day to day, and never make any reference whatsoever to the to what they had said the day before, which, which you know, is not a consistent, the narrative just didn't hang together if you actually tried to affix all of those facts to the story. But they absolutely treated it like every single article was just their way of planting a certain image in the mind of the person reading that article without any regard. And that's when I started looking at sources and stuff. I thought, okay, who said it the first time? Because that person wasn't right or this person isn't right. And, uh, and then the, the coup de grace for me was when General Alexander leaned over. I mean, you kind of wonder if this stuff is even real or what. He leans over to the CIA guy and he said, tell your boss I owe him a beer. Thanks for that great whatever. And the guy's like, tell my boss. I'm the one who just perjured myself for you. <laughs> whatever he says, it's quite on a hot mic. That's on a hot mic? Yes, hot mic. That's crazy. He didn't say perjured. But, uh, yeah, it was it was bad. But I just that's when I realized that there was no accountability. They're absolutely lying. It, it just – that was that. And I it used to say that that does not hold water for me because I saw absolute wrong, false information in mainstream media. And that was starting four years ago. And that's just because I started paying attention. Yeah. Well, I think you're going to like these Jake Tapper clips. And I chose Tapper because he, he, he says it in the most pretentious way. But these are three separate clips. Two of them, he establishes why. His anonymous sources are credible and why Donald Trump's are not. And then the third one, he starts using anonymous sources again. So that happened on every single show that I watched yesterday. They did the exact same thing. They, they verified that their anonymous sources are credible. They dismissed anything that Trump said, and then they started reporting stories using a string of anonymous so sources. So wait, though. What's – I see a big picture here where they don't – want us to care like about said. sources. Yeah. I know, but like, how does the the Trump thing fold in? Because he's not, I, so far, I haven't, I mean, have you, can you think of an example where he's absolutely, like they were the ones who are actually propagating fake stuff? Has he been caught red-handed with fake? 
You know, like he said the thing about Obama wiretapping his office, but that that thing is still well. Jake, I'm going to help you out with this clip here. Jake Tapper is going to tell you the fake news. Oh, really? That, that I did you not know why you should never trust Trump. He's going to tell you. All right. All right, all right the first clip. He's going to. That's crazy because I had no idea that's what was coming. All right. So here's the first clip. He's going to tell you that in the second clip. This is all happening as presidential son-in-law and senior White House advisor Jared Kushner comes under increased scrutiny for his meetings with Russians and his alleged attempts to set up secret back-channel communications with Russian leaders. This swirl of information presumably prompted the president to alert his supporters to believe none of it, tweeting, quote, It is my opinion that many of the leaks coming out of the White House are fabricated lies made up by the fake news media. Whenever you see the word sources say in the fake news media and they don't mention names, it is very possible that those sources don't exist but are made up by fake news writers. Fake news is the enemy. The goal here, as it has been for months now, is to discredit any legitimate news reports based on firsthand accounts from within President Trump's own White House and his own administration, as I know firsthand since I've spoken with people in his, in his administration who have talked to me, only agreeing to do so if they were not named. Sometimes they did so to defend President Trump. Sometimes they did so because they were concerned about President Trump's behavior. But they were always 100 percent real people. See, that, that's what I love. Oh, and- thanks, Jake. Yeah. I was worried. Now I'm sure. They were real people. Thanks Anderson for that. Cooper said the same thing. Every other anchor on MSNBC and CNN said the same thing. They, they verified, you can trust me, they're real people. Hold on. Okay. So the absolute extreme case, in my opinion, and I've noticed over the years that the extreme black and white case doesn't isn't usually how it comes out. But like a one way to do it would be, that Trump, that all the stuff actually ends up being true and it validates the mainstream media. So there was, a, there was a case of that recently where Anderson Cooper and all those guys were like, yeah, but that turned out to be true. See, remember, I think yeah. they played that clip for me. They yeah. clipped like that for me. But, but what you say about like the preconditioning of how people react, they might get more out of kind of the long-term ambiguity thing so that it's pretty clear they were right so that like maybe 75% of the people believe it and it will justify this kind of, okay, so now we have our list, prop or not, you know, like we'll have our lists of valid stuff, but they'll still leave that kind of ambiguity hanging out there so that the kind of despised minority is still the basket of deplorables who defends Trump to the end because of like, there was never a smoking gun. There was never, you know, he, yeah. he got impeached. He was set up, you know, like, you know what I'm saying? Like to always have that doubt where it's not just proof positive what everybody has to admit. So I just, I, I'm just wondering what the end game is here. There's an end game. What, you know. I, I think, I think the end game is what you spoke to earlier. It, it's, conditioning people to get it down to Walter Cronkite to like almost to where it's like a, yeah. a few sources. But how we, are they going to do that? Like by proving that the mainstream media and their anonymous sources were mostly right. I mean, that has to be the end game. Right. Yeah. They're going to some, they want to try to somehow. And, and, and essentially that's what they've done in a lot of people's minds. Like a lot of people really believe that this Russian thing is there's proof that people who don't believe the proof are crazy 
like in their minds, it's said and done. They, they think they trust these sources. You know, you know what <clears throat> this, they like ridicule Jared Kushner. They're talking about his Russian ties, whatever. Nobody ever, this is why it's all fake to me because nobody ever says when they're telling a story like this, well, Jared Kushner, whose father was uh, Hillary's biggest yeah. donor and who was jailed by Chris Christie for campaign finance fraud, for um, blackmailing his sister by setting her husband up with a prostitute. Like, wouldn't that discredit Jared Kushner? Wouldn't, I would think so. You know, and when he goes over to the Middle East and talks about, like, cutting deals in the peace process, isn't it interesting that he's a huge uh, developer in the West Bank, you know, a disputed area, so that if he has a influence over the policies, if he has foresight into policy changes that are coming, he could stand to make a lot of money because that's a risky area to develop in. You know what I'm saying? Like, why don't they talk about the actual conflicts of interest here, the actual backstory, the actual connections, instead of this forward-looking, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's, I'm trying to, I'm trying to emphasize that if this were really a war on Trump, like because for justice sake, I think they would b- bring out the real connections. I agree. They would focus on the, the stuff that's there. And they don't. Yeah. Yes, exactly. It, yeah, you're right. Kushner has more – so does Trump – more than enough stuff in their closet that is actual evidence of, of some sort of potential wrongdoing. But the Russia thing, there's nothing right now. And even just his – like they build him up. The way they talk about Trump as an outsider, they talk about Kushner as like this trusted advisor. Meanwhile, if you dig into him personally, his father gave millions to Harvard the year before he was accepted. He yeah. his, his big New York real estate deal was a complete dog. It just, I think it was like the number of the building is 666, if I'm not mistaken. Very creepy. Oh, <laughs> like, I think you're right. I, think it I, was. Really like, I, just, I don't even want to say that, but I think it's true. Uh I'm just saying, if they, they could laugh in that guy's face all day long on the Don Lemon show. You know, they really, really could. He's a Democrat. <laughs> He's I know, a registered yeah. Democrat. Like, why, Michael Cohen, uh, Trump's big advisor, the guy who's now in the crosshairs, registered Democrat for many years. Mike Flynn, Democrat. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And Charles Kushner, Democrat. I, I don't understand why they don't even bring this stuff. You know? Obviously it would shatter the illusion. <sighs> they, they, they thought people thought they were Democrats. All right, here's the second clip of, of Tapper. I think you'll like this one. This is the same president who just this morning retweeted this story from a White House approved channel, Fox, a story that reads, quote, a December meeting between Jared Kushner and Russian Ambassador Sergei Kislyak at Trump Tower focused on Syria, a source familiar with the matter, told Fox News Monday. A single anonymous source in a story the president sent out to his 30 million followers. The president, I think it's fair to say, is not only inconsistent about the use of anonymous sources, he's not a particularly good judge of them. As the unofficial head of the birther movement, which sought to argue falsely and without any evidence that President Obama, the first African-American president, was born in Africa... Citizen Trump provided this investigative journalism, quote, an extremely credible source has called my office and told me that Barack Obama's birth certificate is a fraud. 
in President Trump's world. That lie is true, and the purveyor of that lie is extremely credible. And that's really all that needs to be said on this subject. When it comes to President Trump criticizing what is true and what is false, consider the source. Dude, the, that birth certificate was a fraud. That's the example you know everybody that? used yesterday. But that was yeah. a fraud. I'm not saying Obama was born in Kenya. I don't care. If Ted Cruz is American, so is Obama. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter to me. I'm just saying that that was like an Easter egg. You know, that was like a um, a deliberately planted false. You know, that was a thing that was deliberately put there to spur the birther movement on and make them kooky, which people said Karl Rove like fed the birther movement to seem kookier and kookier. It was the White House put out a birth certificate that was digitally layered. <clears throat> so it was like uh, somebody put up a template and then typed. But that was over. a mistake. As Don Lemon would say, that was an honest yeah. mistake. No, I mean, I, oh, maybe I'm wrong about it. Maybe that story itself, but I don't think so. I, I remember actually being like in a news environment. I had to like figure that out. Cause everyone's like, you're crazy. You're a birther. I'm like, I'm not a birther. It's just that thing was proven to be wrong. I think like wired magazines and there's some like cr- incredibly credible source. Yeah. So, But when, Tapper starts that clip by saying uh, Trump relied on a single anonymous source. As long as it's like 15 anonymous sources. We here at CNN require multiple anonymous sources. Just how pretentious it is to say I'm a better judge of anonymous sources (laughs) than you are. He's an idiot, therefore he's an idiot. You know I mean, what I mean? Like, it's so stupid. It's like I'm smarter than he is, so therefore my information is better because obviously I have better judgment. I mean, look at me. That's the <laughs> argument. That's essentially his argument. I'm smarter yes. than him. But here's the funny thing: you are not. This is the funny thing. But I have to tell you that uh, now, thanks to your influence, Jake Tapper makes my skin crawl. Oh, he makes my skin crawl. So he didn't. I know he's a, for me. It's Tucker Carlson. <laughs> But now Jake Tapper also makes my skin cold. He just talks so pretentious because Donald Trump is not such a good source of anonymous sources. He always has that drop-dead look, one eyebrow raised. He looks like it's such a chore to tell you morons out there in TV land. Right. You know, it's just, oh, God, please. What is, I just feel like he's going to look at his watch like any minute, just be like, oh, is this over? It's me even... <laughs> Air about these people. Democracy is such a chore. Yeah. All right. What I what what I loved about this guy this clip in entirety was I can't it's like three minutes or something. But he he had the first one where he made sure that you knew knew that it was real people these anonymous sources that he was protecting them and then he made sure that we knew that Donald Trump is not a good judge of anonymous sources but he is and he used the birther the birther lie as an example and then immediately following that he starts doing this CNN correspondent Jessica Schneider joins me now with the latest on the Russia investigation and Jessica sources are telling CNN about intercepts in which according to sources Russian officials talked about the Trump campaign during the election. What did they allegedly say? Well, in those interceptions, (laughs) Russian officials claimed to have, quote, derogatory information about then-candidate Donald Trump and some of his associates. That's according to two former intelligence officials as well as a congressional source. Now, these conversations were picked up in the midst of the 2016 election, and a source tells CNN that the supposed derogatory details were financial in nature. Now, the conversations were picked up by U.S. intelligence, and they showed that the Russians 
believe they, quote, had the ability to influence the administration through the derogatory information. But the sources do warn that the Russian claims could have been exaggerated or even made up. How many times did they cite unnamed sources there? My head was spinning. It's like when you count the negatives to see if, like, the answer is negative or positive. I was like, wait, allegedly... Multiple sources. Wait. So wait. What? So did she see the document or who? <laughs> I'm not end- sure if in the document the sources in the document are also like the document was about some alleged conversation that might not be true, and then the document was read by some anonymous sources to this chick who is now allegedly telling Jake Tapper about it. And they end that little clip with her saying the sources warned that it might all be made up. Yes. Yes. This is what good journalism says. I mean, that had to be intentional. Every other word was was the citation of an anonymous source. So wait, what do you mean it had to be intentional? I think that was her just being scrupulous about separating fact from fiction. Well, uh, to start the whole segment, I mean, that clip right there was right after Tapper gave his little pretentious thing where he he said – yeah, it was immediately after. It was oh the next word he said. So it, it was, trust me, they're real people. You can't trust Donald Trump because of the birther lie. You need to check the source. And then, okay, moving on to the next story. An anonymous source tells us, or, or whatever he said. That's that, crazy. Yeah. CNN, I mean, uh, Cooper did it. literally too. spinning. Well, it's not literally spinning. But. All right, well, the next one. <laughs> Next clips I have that, that speak to what you were just talking about is the New York Times guy, which uh, I just had his name. Yeah. He, back um, back he's asked about the Comey memos and, you know, whether or not his reporter <laughs> who his reporter who apparently has reported false news in the past based <laughs> on anonymous sources, which you learn in these clips. And the guy just is he's shameless about it. Hold on a second. Like I, I, I recommend anybody listening, uh, I'll link this interview to watch this full interview because there's more than I. It's like a 15 minute interview. All right. Are you playing it? Can I tell you? Do what? Can I say something? Are you? Oh yeah, no. Go ahead. I'm still looking for it. So I remember a really noteworthy one. I don't know if you played it on the air or what, but it was when. They were talking about Project Veritas. I don't know what. And it was, yeah, it was Project Veritas, which was James O'Keefe. And, and James O'Keefe had live audio and video of, like, person after person saying <laughs> yeah. how they, like, started fights at uh, Trump rallies and over and over, like, real hard evidence of people admitting their own role in it. And I was it Micah Brzezinski or whatever, somebody like that um, said, who looked like that, said... Uh, well, James O'Keefe was arrested once for, uh, you know, some, some thing that like, you know, getting information like in a not authorized way. And she's like, you know, so you can just dismiss everything he does. It's like, but you can't dismiss everything he does. It's absolute evidence. He's producing actual evidence. So she was ready to dismiss him as a source because like an ad hominem attack, he was personally, someday we should go through the fallacies. Like we that, should. Yeah, I have I have that exact clip that you're talking about somewhere. Oh, do you? That's, I watched it. You did play they, it. I don't I don't know where it is right now, but they start the whole segment out 
by saying there's been some recordings released by James O'Keefe, a a convict, and they just start yes. insulting the guy, you know? Yes, and it was like unpaid, unpaid traffic fines, you know? It, wa- it was actually relevant to his reporting, but it wasn't like him f- being fraudulent in the information. Right, They and they tried to say that he always doctors, like they, they say, now remember, he always doctors clips, so you can't really t- like. But I no- don't think he did. Yeah, I don't the, remember the, him. I mean, he edits it, but like Michael Moore, anybody who believes that stuff. Oh, Michael Moore is Michael Moore is <laughs> talked about in propaganda books. He's used. Oh, that's so funny. I think he was a creation because there is a picture of him in college uh, taught, having a challenging Milton Friedman about like automobile safety. So Michael Moore, you know, anybody pops up like that, like the way Fidel Castro wrote FDR a letter when he was twelve. It's like, yeah. Yeah. I think these people get tapped very young to kind of be propaganda agents or whatever. But I really think that one day we should talk about, take off the logical fallacies, like when you do debate or, oh, you know I think that'd talking, be great. Yeah, like yeah, ad I mean, hominem, yeah. and we just teach people. They're all over the media. I, I actually, I, I take notes on that stuff all the time on the, the fallacies and the ad hominems that they use yeah. in the different newscasts. One. The latest one is this, um, it's like resort to authority or whatever it is. Yeah. So if there is an authority who know, like, I think it was actually Sheriff Arpaio who debunked the birth certificate that appeared on the White House website. He actually did the research and then he said, I did the research and here's the research. So if you cite Sheriff Arpaio, uh, I think that's an okay use of authority. But if then you say Sheriff Arpaio said that Jake Tapper's gay, you know, that's not actually a source. He's not an authority on that. Yes. And, yeah. and, and what they're doing is saying we are blanket authorities on everything yeah. because we're journalists. That's and, what they use celebrities for, too. Yeah. yeah. And, and then there was another one. So both sides do it. I, we noticed – there was no way I could get a – well, I don't think I could get a clip of this. It's like Bill Nye the science guy. He's not a climate scientist. Yeah. Oh, that's the other th- – oh, the climate thing is big where they have like 5,000 scientists all sign this thing and they're like you know, germ scientists and stuff. Right. But there was one on Fox where they were talking about the John Forte or whatever. I forget his name. The guy who pushed the, the journalist, I don't know, and then won the oh, Montana yeah. Body election. Slammed. Yeah. So they, they said – the Fox guy said, well, our journalist, our Fox News correspondent was there and witnessed it herself with her own eyeballs, then told us the story with her own mouth, and she is a legitimate journalist, so that is as good as video. I mean, oh that's what the God. guy said. I was like, it was so exactly, I mean, it's as if when you play those funny clips of like, every single person in the media saying the same thing because they all got the same memo and it had like yeah. a typo in it. So they all said the same typo that like every one of them got a memo that said, be sure to emphasize the credentials of the journalist as evidence for the truth of the story. <laughs> and then if you listen to this, if you li- if you go around listening now, you'll hear it all the time. There's a story in that Walter Lippmann tells in the book, public opinion and I'll probably butcher it, but you'll get the you'll get the main point. But basically, he tells a story. They're doing a study on eyewitness testimony where they have like a hundred 
I think it's it's I think it's two hundred. They have two hundred of the top critical minds in the world in the same room. And these are like lawyers, these are politicians, these are scientists, these are people with the sharpest minds, and they intentionally did it this way. And they're having this they're having this meeting. And during the middle of the, the presentation, a clown busts through the doors chasing a black guy. The clown's holding a gun. He's chasing the black guy through this this uh, uh, this big conference room that all these really intelligent people are in. They tackle each other on the ground, fight for a minute, stand up, and then run out of the room. And then after that happens, they do a they do a test and they ask everybody in the room to write down and describe what it was that they saw. And it was less than twenty percent of the people could accurately describe the situation that, that just happened right in front of them. Interesting. So, like going back to that, you're saying her eyes, her mouth, it's better than than film. No, it's yeah. not. No, it definitely is not. And that I heard that on that same podcast about Manchester, the guy was saying, "Look, I implore you, if you're ever at an event like a something that's a newsworthy event, take your phone out and film it and take pictures because there's absolutely no pictures or video or film of the Manchester event before the police got there. How is that even possible?" That's what this the, guy the, said. You talking about the recent event? Yes, I didn't research it myself, but that's what this guy was saying. Like all the pictures, there should be thousands of pictures. Which is why when you see videos and stuff of, I don't know, like somebody getting dragged off a plane or somebody getting shot by a cop or whatever, yeah. and they go viral immediately. Okay, I got that. Why? Why the? Why is this stuff happening all the time? Well, everybody has cameras. Okay, where are all the pictures of the Ariana Grande massacre? Yeah, I had so a there should be that. thousands of them, and and the best one should have millions of hits. Yeah. Where where's all the all the pictures that got tweeted out of the Orlando discotheque? There yeah. should be there were three hundred people in there. That's a great point. Why wouldn't they completely text and tweet? Maybe it was dark. Okay, text, Facebook, tweet the whole entire time. You know, there should be thousands of those. Remember that guy who shot the, uh, in the embassy and uh, was it Russia? And they got that photo, yes. that photo of the year. That fantastic photo that probably took like fifteen takes. Right. Yeah. That was uh, that was a little too perfect. Okay. I yes. want you to hear this New York Times guy. All right. This is the first part of it. The second part he talks about combing memos, but he's being interviewed by the BBC. You, and I've been looking closely at the way you've reported, particularly the unfolding story of the allegations of connections, both pre-election and post-election between the Trump team and Russia. It's a huge story. Mm-hmm. Your reporting has been out front on many occasions, but it is heavily reliant on anonymous, unnamed sources. Yes. You worry about that. Yeah. <laughs> I worry in principle about... Newspapers relying on too many anonymous sources for unimportant stories. I think <laughs> we're at in an era when anonymous sources are important for really important stories. <laughs> are you kidding me? So stuff that, that can change the world doesn't actually have to be true, wink, wink. You know what I mean? That's, that's what I took away from it. <laughs> yeah, totally. That's definitely, definitely what All he's right. saying. So now you get an idea of this guy. Now, now here he's asked about the, the Comey memos. This is great. I mean, it's horrible, but it's great. 
So let, let's just dig into one particular story, and you explain to me what the readership is supposed to make of it. On May 17, <laughs> there's a New York Times story. Trump appealed to Comey to halt the inquiry of Flynn. It's a big part of, we don't need to discuss Great it. Great story. <laughs> I love that story. <laughs> well, good, because you were the boss who put it in the paper. Yeah. Now, in your paper... The documentation of Mr. Trump's request is the clearest evidence, it was said, that the president has tried to directly influence the Justice Department and FBI investigation into links between Mr. Trump's associates and Russia. Now, that is a heck of a claim. This is the clearest evidence, you say. Yeah, but just be straight with me. Had your reporter on that story seen the memo that was the foundation of the story? As the story describes, he had it read to him by a very reliable source. All of it? The, all of he quoted from him, from it. Yeah, but, but but did he did he know one hundred percent that what he was quoted over the I guess it was over the phone was the entire memo. Um, we we certainly enough of the memo for us to be confident that it was in context. But also he hadn't seen the memo, no. so he didn't know that what he yeah. was receiving on the phone was actually one hundred percent the certain, memo. At a certain point, you have to rely on your sources if they're sources you've done business with before. And the readership could have no idea who that source was. That's right. Look, that's one. That's here's the alternative. You don't know about that story, which is better, having that story from anonymous sources, or not knowing that the president of the United States did something that everybody thinks is worth investigating. I'm going to pick having the story. But what seems to be important to me is that the, the same reporter who wrote that story based on the unnamed source about Michael Flynn and the Trump administration and connections to Russia, he's the same reporter who back in 2015 broke a story for you, your paper, about the aftermath of the San Bernardino terror attack. Now, he had an unnamed source there telling him important things about the background of the two perpetrators, which you turned into a major story. It turned out not to be true. I guess what I would say is the story that we were talking about before, the Trump story, I know the sources. I know where everything came from. You personally. Personally. You I know the name. I know the name. I know everything about the story, and I'm absolutely certain it's true. <laughs> Can I please? It yeah, go. <laughs> First of all, he's absolutely certain what's true, that the guy read a memo over the phone. You know, yeah. okay, just to start going backwards here. I, ha I have to say, the San Bernardino thing, that was absolutely terrible. That story had holes in it up and down. The lawyer yeah. said, you know, just like Sandy Hook, this is bull. Those people were murdered without trial. Murdered. There's a picture of the male suspect zip-tied hand and feet behind him with um, with bloody wrists trying to get out of the zip ties shot in the head. Okay? So that San Bernardino story that this guy was responsible for is worse than bad reporting. It's absolute. It's sick. But the but what was making me laugh was like the alternative to not getting the story I just put in my newspaper was you not getting that story, you know. And the guy and like the the twisted logic behind that is the know. guy the guy didn't start laughing in his face and saying, well, or the alternative was you didn't get a story that wasn't true. You know what I mean? Like is is the New York Times guy's logic only works if it's true? Plus. Right. New York Times, it all came down to, uh, okay, let me just 
but it's very sweet of you to interview me like this and everything, but I'm sorry, you've been wasting your time. I think I need to make this absolutely clear. I personally, I personally attest to the fact that it's true. Yeah. <laughs> so we're done. <laughs> this guy who just who just says he doesn't care that his sources are anonymous, he he's he tells us it's true. Yeah, that's it. Like, I mean, are you suggesting that I would make a mistake? This is and the executive editor of the New York Times. It's sick. And you know, do you know the story about Pierce Morgan? No. Pierce Morgan was basically run out of England on a rail because he was, I think, an editor, kind of like in that same position. And knowingly, if I understand the story correctly, knowingly published photographs of like an Iraqi uh, massacre or whatever during the Iraq war that were absolutely not of that. They were photographs of something else. Oh, wow. And he, that he really lost a lot of credibility. That was in the old days. But then he, of course, he comes here and he has a huge show because nobody cares. Yeah. You know, I mean, so this is a guy who people think of, Brian Williams. Complete bull. And he's the guy, was it Brian Williams? Who yeah, Brian was, Williams. Yeah, and he was the guy who brought us Edward Snowden live and in person. Most wanted man in the world. And, I didn't know that. I'd forgotten about that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and, I, and I, I know I've told you about the guy who was the sole, he interviewed Danny of the Boston Marathon bombing. Uh, Danny was, a, was the guy whose car was hijacked, supposedly. And the Boston Marathon bombers absolutely admitted to him everything they did and told him the story. And this guy, um, what was his name? He used to be, he's a reporter for CBS, and his previous job was the head of PR for the FBI. And he got this (laughs) exclusive story with Danny. No one else could talk to him. He also got, bizarrely, how you give somebody an exclusive for this, I don't know. He had the exclusive on the ballpoint pen writing on the fiberglass of the boat where Jaris and I have, who they say is still alive, but I don't believe him for a second. He was apprehended, shot up and dying, coming out of a boat. And supposedly he scrawled his confession with a ballpoint pen on the inside of a fiberglass boat while dying. <clears throat> and, and this same guy, former head of at PR for FBI or assistant head of PR for FBI uh, was also the guy who had the exclusive on. So all the confessions of the Sarnayavs were, uh, were just based on this one guy's kind of exclusive testimony, you know, and he was a propagandist for the government. So yeah, I'm just I'd say that's what a, a PR guy for the FBI is. Yeah, and now then now they just like peeled off FBI from his. Totally that guy. I can't remember his name. But I know I, I, it's, I it's a simple up. name. It's not like John King or John Carter, but it's something. Right, he has a long history of just you know propagandizing people. Yes, I'm looking at that. Don Miller. Don Miller. John. John Miller is probably Miller. a fake name. Too simple. Fake name. Not true. Might as well be John Smith. It might as well. It might as well. So what else you got? You you want more? I got more. I, I mean I have a couple more, but I've kind of hijacked it with all these clips. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> to... no, I like it. I like it. I, I feel I, I feel like it's a little perhaps it's beneath us that 
who just mock these people, but they deserve it. It's not like they're like nice, normal people trying to like report and we're making fun of the st- stammering. Well, I think it's important to know that the they're, New York yes. Times guy is saying this stuff though, because this the New yes, York Times is, has been a prominent source. Yeah, but it makes me laugh. I think this is what makes me laugh. Like laughter, humor like that is is just when something contradicts. So if you have like standards. It's my uncle who was a priest and turned me on to <laughs> Murray Rothbard, the anarchist. He is an interesting character, my uncle. And he said to me that he that subjectivists, liberals, I guess, whatever, I don't know, didn't have a good sense of humor because when anything goes, nothing contradicts your standards. So nothing really makes you laugh because nothing is expected. You're just yeah. always sitting there waiting for anyone to be any anything you know like coming yeah. out with four heads like i i just want to talk to you that i'm an alien so so when when you're versed i'm not very well educated but i do like i i i'm what they call an autodidact i i about this stuff i read this stuff so i know about logical arguments and my dad although he was not well educated he was a truck driver never went to college but he always taught me about critical reasoning which he learned in grammar school i mean he'd left high school to go to the service like he just hated school that's how good education was back then yeah he learned in grammar school like critical reasoning and he taught me all this stuff so now i have in my head like it's it's a fallacious argument it's a you know a resort to authority it's an ad hominem attack like i know what argument is so when you see someone acting like that, talking like that, and I mean, you should laugh because it should contradict everything that you've learned about how to think. But yeah, but yeah. people are taught not to think, you right. know, or not taught how to think. It just doesn't take much to teach you how to think. And that's why I feel like getting the mom out of the home or just making sure both parents work is so important as a way to dumb down society because they're not teaching it in school. But your mom or dad or anybody at home would just teach you. You know what I mean? They would just be like, that doesn't make sense, son. But my kids, when they go to school, everything makes sense. Or the, when my, my son goes to public school, everything makes sense. You know, there is no, they don't teach you. They teach you logical, they teach you flawed logic. And, you know, they, yeah. teach, they propagandize you. Well, the public schools teach people to learn how to obey. And the elite schools teach students to learn how to lead the mobs. Absolutely. You, I will, in the show notes, put John Taylor Gatto's stuff. He's, oh, so, he's great. Yeah. so fantastic. And he talks about, he talks about that and it changed my whole way. I educated my kids. I, 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 um, I did not realize, I mean, then I started reading about it and all this. Uh, uh, there was one just great chapter in a book. I like makers of the modern mind about, um, I'm writing all this stuff down so I can put it in the show notes, um, about Dewey who changed our modern education, but Gatto talks about it too, where they, so there's grammar, which is when you learn stuff in elementary school, grammar school, wrote memorization, logic, which is what you get critical reasoning. You get it in middle school that makes good scientists. So here people like STEM, we want science, technology, engineering, and math. It's like, yeah, that's great. But that's a truncated, um, dead-stopped education. The next phase, which the Dewey eliminated from public schooling, from the you know modern education, is rhetoric, where they yeah. teach you you know exposition, they teach you argument, 
They teach you these fallacies. They teach you how to write. They teach you how to persuade. And they and and by doing so, you recognize easily the techniques of persuasion when they're used upon you. And they really can't. They don't work very well. So this guy obviously preys upon people's inability to recognize logical fallacies. And a lot of times they talk fancy. They're condescending. You know, they make you, I noticed this about the New York Times just reading it. It makes you feel, when you don't get it, like this doesn't follow from that. I remember always thinking this. When the conclusion of the article did not seem to follow from the argument and the facts in the article, I just kind of felt like I was stupid or was missing something. And I think they do it on purpose. Like, obviously, you know, they start out with the assumption that the conclusion is true. And then they tell you, like, that you're stupid if you don't. Yeah. Include that, you know, and, th- and that coming from a guy like that wouldn't, it doesn't surprise me a guy like that is the head of the New York Times. Yeah, that makes me question, I mean, critically, I did anyway, but anything the New York Times publishes, watching that interview with that guy, that guy is not concerned with truth. It, it even goes on after that during the interview to talk about how, papers are struggling now how, how they've had to transform during the internet age and when he's talking about you know what needs to happen and stuff it's very clear that he's not worried about reporting news he's worried about maintaining the new york times credibility or not credibility but market share i i i doubt even that's the bottom line i think that he's uh he's even if he's thinking about his own career and success my guess, he's thinking about his next step, how he will be rewarded for using the New York Times to shepherd the masses into the official narrative. That's San Bernardino yeah. thing. That, yeah, that's that's what that's what I mean. Like his influence. Yeah, his those influence. people were murdered. Oh yeah. I mean, that's just sick. It's very upsetting. If you listen to me and you're like, "Oh, she's crazy. She likes terrorists." They were not terrorists. Those people didn't do it. <laughs> you know, so. They were killed because of newspaper articles like they, whoever killed them as patsies got away with it because articles like that convinced people that these, that those people were terrorists. And I think the pictures of them were photoshopped. I remember immediately seeing totally normal pictures of them looking like middle-class Americans. And then all of a sudden, next thing you see, they look like uh, monsters in, in, uh, in Middle Eastern garb. I think it was absolutely fabricated story, but that's just... Well, the BBC guy asked him about – they published a story. I don't know what it was, but they apparently published images of that attack that just happened, the one you mentioned a, a little while ago. Manchester? Yeah, they apparently published some images of one of the bombs and how it was made and stuff like that. And you know, I, I haven't researched this one, so I, I don't know. I don't know the, the official story versus all the holes in it. I haven't looked into that. But the, the reporter says that – the police investigating the, the the crime scene, it made it difficult for them. They had they had a lead or something. They they didn't want those images published because that lets whoever made the bomb know that they were on to them. Right. That these bombs have unique fingerprints or whatever. <clears throat> and mm-hmm. and this guy asked him. He said, "So, are you ready to apologize for making it more difficult for the people who are investigating this crime scene?" And he goes, "No." Like he didn't. Right. Just the way but that's bull, because they censor yeah. news all the time. They do. Right. I, I'm telling you, I talked to a guy who ran, I mean, I didn't know him. I never saw him again or before that, but he ran one of these news companies and he said, 
that they censor stuff all the time. Yeah, he said he wasn't. He didn't care about that. Yeah, because he knew he, it's part of the program. I we should probably wrap it up, but I have a couple of what to watch out for. All right. Did you want to add anything before I change gears? All right. Yeah, let me play one more clip just to kind of kind of button all this stuff up. Then you can take over with the what to watch out for. It's really short, and okay. it's from a couple weeks ago. This is a CNN anchor reacting to a guest who insist who insist on getting names of sources who refuses to accept unnamed sources. She kind of freaks out. This is a pretty funny one. Basing all these allegations off of one or maybe two sources, which CNN reports, two former officials knowledgeable of the situation confirmed to CNN the main points of the story. Two former former officials, tell you what, come out, name those people, then we'll have something to talk about. One, we protect sources. Two, it's not just CNN. It's Washington Post, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, (laughs) CNN, ABC, NBC. Carl. Who are the sources? Oh, because they're hiding behind this anonymity. Oh, pa- and that's please. what we're seeing. Please, do not even start with me that you're just going to attack sources. Okay, so, <laughs> that is about, so are you saying McMaster is lying? I'm not saying McMaster is are lying. You? Well, he didn't really answer the question. He didn't answer he the question. He said nothing inappropriate. He shared. said, no, that's his opinion. That would be. But that's his opinion. That, you cannot say, you cannot attack, yeah. do not attack the stellar I'm, reporters of CNN okay. who have their sources <laughs> and the would protect their sources. stellar reporters of CNN that I am going to attack right now and say, guess what? I don't believe them because they're name, staying anonymous. If they are that, if they stand behind this story, come out, face the camera. Can I just say something? We ha- all they've been doing is facing the camera, Carl. The people who are in that room? We have an- anonymous sources. We protect them for real reasons. So the information <laughs> that is important to the public so can get out. <laughs> That's going to be important. That anonymous source thing, that was a big deal like around Watergate. Yeah. Oh, she brought up Watergate after that. On that. Oh, did <laughs> that was a big deal. Like, so they and Watergate, of course, is what this is all modeled after. Right. But that anonymous sources and anonymous sources won. And there's a story, there's a, a case, New York Times v. Sullivan, where the New York Times won a case where they put quotes around a paraphrase. So the person did not say it. And they paraphrased it and put quotes around it, and they won. That you, they're allowed to do that. They're allowed to misquote people intentionally and put them in really? quotes. New York Times v. Sullivan. It, it's a travesty of a That's case. It's a terrible, terrible case. Um, but what? But it was what she just did is she just gave a litany of. She's like, it's not just CNN. It's the Wall Street Journal. It's the Washington Post. It's this and that. This and that. But uh, but uh, from uh, my guess is that they all were just funneling back to those same supposed sources, right? Yeah. I mean, you think each one of them got their own leak of the exact same story? No, they have a magic eight ball. They go shake it, and that's their <laughs> anonymous source. But they all agree to the story. It's not like they are each investigating it independently. Right. There's they make it sound like no way. they found someone else. <laughs> yeah, no, no chance. It's the same person. Same yeah, dog, it's whatever. the same not person. It's yeah, the, the same, same FBI agent. It's the same CIA agent who's pushing that. that it's it's a manatee to get the information from. <laughs> All right. You want to hear my Yeah, take it away. Hashtag? Thanks for putting up with my – I know I threw a lot of clips at you. I've been loving it. No, no. <laughs> I, I knew I'm trying to get better at not having too much stuff to talk about um, because it's so fun to just listen to the clips and – React. But here are my what to watch out for. One is that uh, I just read an article 
about uh, the body of a murdered uh, person in Florida. Here's the news paragraph. Terrible news out of Florida. A well-respected federal prosecutor was found dead on a beach in Hollywood, Florida, late last week. Barrington J. Wisnant Jr. was a former partner at Foley and Mansfield, where he'd worked for nine years. He left the firm in January of this year to begin work in the major crimes unit at the Miami office of the Department of Justice. That just reminded me of another, like, random story I saw about, like, I think the guy's name is Aaron Nevins or something, who got uh, intel from Guccifer. This guy, Nevins, was a Republican operative who used this insider information in Florida. Um, Maybe it's not that, but I just feel like this Wiseman's story is somehow going to tie into Russia. I had the same feeling the first time I saw the Seth Rich murder. I, like, the next day I saw, like, this guy was murdered, and I thought, ooh, that sounds like, you know. What do you think the ties might be? Um, I I think the idea would be that this guy was now a prosecutor and that maybe he was investigating some, uh, you know, is it possible that there are campaign or election laws? I mean, the federal elections are state operations. It says Miami Office of the Department of Justice which is a federal, you know, the Department of Justice is what runs the FBI. I don't know. I don't, I have absolutely no idea. I am just flagging this as I, uh, this is my point. You see a paragraph like that. It doesn't say anything about Russia. It doesn't say anything about anything. I'm just like, why is this article all over my news feeds? Yeah. Why? And, and I say, I say it's because it's because I think everything's there for a reason, which is why yeah. I pick this stuff out of no place. There was a tweet by Trump. This is my other one to watch out for. A tweet by Trump. Um, have you heard of the word kafefe? No, I heard about that tweet, though. Okay. So I just feel like that's just going to – it's just an, an an experiment in how things are going to go viral. I, I, I agree. I feel like everybody's going to hear kafefe over the next 48 hours. Yeah, that's going to – By the time this agree. is uploaded. Hmm? I completely agree. That, that could have – yeah, that could be a test. That could be some dog whistling for all we know. You know, I could be totally <laughs> the baristas. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Well, so that's all I got. Oh, Fox News, Sean Hannity. Is he coming back? I think he's going to be gone. What do you think? I don't know. That's such an, I did think so, but it was just such an obvious thing to anticipate because I feel like from, um, that they, that Fox is deliberately circling the drain that they're, they're letting all these people go and that it folds into this, this made up theme that populism got Trump elected and that the real GOP voters are like against the repeal of Obamacare, don't want budget cuts. I mean, there are all sorts of articles. I, I was going to go through it all right now, but we are out of time. Maybe I'll do it on the air on Saturday on WSB. But I feel like Fox is going to be revamped to be the European style uh, conservatism, like Sky News, which is the Murdochs are British. You know, yeah. the dad was Australian, but the kids are British. They're taking over, and they like big government. They're, they profit from it, and I think that Fox is going to morph into the kinder and gentler Fox, and this is how they're doing it. They're blaming 
these a-hole white guys for being a-holes and uh and they're going to replace it with a bunch of mealy mouthed i I can see that i can definitely see that i I, it's already gotten a little bit softer i think for hannity i think that online is where a lot of the i think there's gonna be some online networks emerge that people are going to make a lot of money with bill o'reilly anchoring it so i I can see hannity doing that Yes, I thought there was a connection. I think you thought the same, like had the same thought that maybe like a Glenn Beck, yeah, the Blaze thing. Yeah, I can see that too. Very interesting. All right, that's all I got. Um, all right, well, thank fun. you. Thank you for those uh, entertaining clips and uh, interesting insights on this forty-fourth episode of the Propaganda Report. This is Monica Perez saying goodbye. Goodbye, Binkley. See you later.